Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful and beautiful internet. At times, it's time for another glorious edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. It's week two of the SEC season, and you know, I got to bring in, we got a huge show today, and why not just make it all just one big happy family and bring in my good buddy Trey Pack again to break it all down. Trey, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Coming off a big win uh, on Saturday. Very excited. It was, uh, we just are continuing the trend from last year, just it being way too close for comfort. But happy to be here, 1 0. Um, but there, yeah, you're definitely right. There was a huge week of college football this year. This huge week. week. I mean, my goodness, it's been a huge just week in sports, and we'll touch on some of that stuff a little bit later in the show. But I mean, you've got the, the NBA finals are starting. As we're recording this, of course, AEW is going on, which is just awesome. Got to love some AEW. The baseball playoffs got underway. And then we had the Stanley Cup Finals just finish. The Tampa Bay Lightning winning in six games, which if you've listened to this fine program, I called that. So I will you know, take all of your dollar donations at any point. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley, to send the money that way. So, but... College football, of course, is what we're really here to talk about. we got to get on the air. We're just going to start breaking down the Tennessee win, but breaking news, just as I was setting everything up to record, it looks like the SEC, according to them, they have released Cade Mays. Cade Mays is free, ladies and gentlemen, which it took a long time. Release is the exact right word because there's – we were kind of mentioning it before we hit record. It made absolutely no sense for the SEC to come out and say – uh, to deny anybody a waiver this year, they're they're not losing a year of eligibility. Just let the kids play, man. Um, with it being such a, a weird year, it, it was insane that it took this long. He missed the game. I mean, for yep. for absolutely no reason. I'm just happy, you know. People say that one offensive lineman may not make that much of a difference, but I, I do think Cade Mays can. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, yes, this is a decision they should have made before the season started, but better late than never. I don't think he should have been denied by the NCAA in the first place, but you even got, you know, like on Twitter, just looking through Jared Garantano got some smiley faces on (laughs) about all this. You've got uh, Trey Smith going, let's ride with a uh, Django Unchained, uh, gif there so everybody's ready to go with this and we're excited it's going to make hopefully a better or a really good tennessee offensive line already even better which is what we're looking for yeah i mean i think this has potential to be the best tennessee offensive line since i mean the early 2000s back in the chad clifton days Mm -hmm. four five-star offensive linemen and a 60-year senior Uh, i mean it's there's no excuse anymore. I feel like for the past five, six, seven, eight years, that has been the where Tennessee has fallen short was we couldn't protect a quarterback. And we'll get in to Garantano's play here in a second, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. uh, but no excuse here. I mean, we have arguably the best offensive line in the country, in my opinion. De- definitely one of the top ones. Definitely in the top ten, depending on who you ask and where it all goes. But, yes, I'm feeling even better going into this Missouri game. And Tennessee, I think, is already an 11-point favorite. I'd have to look. We'll make our picks uh, at the end here. But when you look at everything, 
we'd still have to celebrate because for the first time in the three years under head coach Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee's 1-0 to start the year as they beat South Carolina 31-27. Pretty much covering the four points, or it's a push if you bet it at minus four. So, But Tennessee getting the win, it was sloppy at times. It looked like, again, one of these games where you don't have a a non-conference opponent to open the season with. You're starting at South Carolina, and I don't know how they're pumping noise into the stadiums. Like I don't know the ratio, but Williams-Brice Stadium sounded pretty darn loud, only with about a quarter of it full. Uh, So that was a really good atmosphere there. But Tennessee, again, did the important thing. They went on the road in conference and got the win. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think the defense played spectacular um, for three and a half quarters, that half being halfway into the third. Um, I think they kind of fell apart there. But, I mean, we I think we led the SEC in sacks, uh, or DeAndre Johnson has the most sacks in the SEC, one of the two. Yeah. Um, defense played great, man. Uh, I, I hate to, to be Debbie Downer, especially coming off a win, man. But they were absolutely right. What Pruitt said about Garantano going into the year, that his decision-making has gotten a lot better, leaps and bounds better. He just does not have the skill set to, when he makes a good decision, to follow through on it. Yeah, he's got to dial it in. Uh, Mrs. Shibbles actually made this point, uh, as I reference our other podcast that we're on, uh, Sagas and Shenanigans. It's like Garantano looked a lot like uh, my my warlock, my dragonborn warlock, Algernop Creve with his Eldritch Blast, where I, I can miss a lot. It's like I got to dial it in, um, which seemed to kind of be how he was throwing the ball. But again, he didn't throw any interceptions, which is the big thing. He didn't. He he avoided the big mistake. He was nineteen to thirty one with, and he had two hundred and fifty nine yards. Uh, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. I think it was a 74.8 quarterback rating, which is not spectacular. But then, I mean, he did some smart things. That scramble to set up the touchdown uh, with Gray, in the that was really good. And then even before that, where they were running the flea flicker, and that's one of my all-time favorite trick plays. I love a good old-fashioned flea flicker. They had to check it down, and they got what twenty some yards off of that. Oh, so yeah. the the flea flicker into the the basically a screen is. I mean, that's from the mind of Jim Chaney, though. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and that's what I mean with, with the decision making. I think Garantano last year, let alone a couple years ago, one hundred percent puts that ball up in the air, just throws it as far as he could, and would hope Jawan or, or you know one of those guys would come down with it. Um, so doing the checkdown was perfect, but I think that was just a very good play design, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I mean, I even remember playing back in the day. This ages me. Tecmo Super Bowl, where you had the flea flicker. When I was the Niners, I'd run the flea flicker with Jerry Rice trying to throw the bomb. But when he wasn't covered, you could just dump it off to the back, which was Roger Craig in the game, and that was just an easy throw. And I, you could usually pick up the first down as long as they didn't call it. So that right. was. I love the good old-fashioned flea flicker. I think one of the things that did disappoint me was I thought, now again, it is the first game of the season, and Pruitt went and acknowledged that, again, they haven't had as many full practices as they've wanted to have going into the season because, again, of all the regulations and COVID. I mean, they missed that whole scrimmage uh, 
because of well, they had 40 players out because of either positive tests or contact tracing. But one of the things I was hoping for, too, was a little bit better with the run game. Like, the run game wasn't bad. I wish they would run the ball more because you have that on third down. Tennessee was, what, one of 12 on third down? Yep. Which was just frustrating to me is all get up. One of 12. And some of those were really short. They were third and three, third and two. And we seem to be throwing on all of them. Yep. And to me, it was like, you got to run the ball in some of those situations. One would think. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Even down there on the, the fourth and one that, that we ended up kicking the field goal and missing. Man, even without Cade, you have one of the best offensive lines in the SEC. I think the big thing there is that people – I feel like the coaching staff doesn't think we have a, a power back in that situation. You know, Gray is, is definitely undersized, quicker than a hiccup, but is definitely not a power back. And Chandler is kind of a, a hybrid, but still, you know, not going to get down there in the nitty-gritty. But last year we used Banks in those situations, and Banks picked up, you know, a few first downs. I just don't understand why we got away from that. Yeah, bank and crouch. We use crouch too. Yeah, um, so, I mean, one for twelve on third down. It was good enough for South Carolina. It may be good enough for Missouri, but we're not going to beat Georgia if we're one and twelve on on third down. No, you're not beating any of the other SEC big boys when it with one and twelve on third down. Which and I believe Pruitt at his uh, news conference here said, "Well, we can't go anywhere but up from here." Especially because again, the only one they did pick up was. It was that throw to Johnson where he just made an incredible catch. That was a great catch, by the way. That oh, catch yeah. he made. It, it set the tone for the rest of the game, I think. It was that no matter how much our back was against the wall, we were going to come out swinging. And, and man, we'll get to the end of the game here in a second. But yeah. I think the other thing there, man, is that Tennessee, and with me and you being gambling, man, Shibley, we definitely understand this. Like, Tennessee does not get those lucky breaks. You know what I'm saying? We don't get that extra hard on the river to hit that flush. Um, but we did with that catch. We did at the end of the game with the the punt. Um, I wouldn't even call it a muffle. You know, it just tapped yep. in that big flag. We just, Tennessee, for the past decade, has not hit those. Um, so I don't know if somebody carried Madam Zeroni back up the mountain or not, but <laughs> we're, definitely, we're definitely getting those breaks now. Yeah, the ball finally started bouncing Tennessee's way. It also helped with uh, Henry Toto getting that interception there uh, in the first half. Man, that was great beautiful. to see. And he stayed in bounds, which most of the time with Tennessee players, they're going to just, they've stepped out of bounds on those two. So the inches are starting to maybe move back Tennessee's way, which is really good. But it did worry me. And again, we'll yeah, we'll talk about this here. That Tennessee just is has problems salting the game away. I mean, we were up by two touchdowns there because we scored coming out of the half. We finally ran the ball really well, and we were up two touchdowns. But South Carolina came right back and and tied the game up. And, and I mean, they watched right down the field and did that just like they did in the first quarter. And Tennessee just didn't have that momentum. And then we get the lead, we get the ball back, and it's all you need is two first downs and the game's over. We got the first one, which Tennessee had had problems getting. But then we had the false start penalty. We just went ran the ball backwards. It, that was really frustrating. It's like 
good teams, you know, your Alabamas, your Floridas, your Ohio States, your Clemsons are just going to get you behind the big boys and game's over at that point. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, Pruitt, like I said last week, Pruitt is really, over the past couple of years, they've kind of been teaching them how to win um, and how to find those wins and kind of sniff them out. Um, I think this year we're going to see a lot of times where Tennessee has a chance to put a, a game away to where it's not, you know, not giving the whole state of Tennessee a heart attack. Yeah. And it's going to end up, we're going to end up in a dogfight where we shouldn't have to be. We should have, I should have been able to turn that game off after the third quarter. I wouldn't, but I should have been able to. Right. And that's what it seems like a lot of fans did moving into Tennessee's opponent next week or this coming week here, uh, Missouri. I mean, the Alabama fans, you know they turned it off. They were up 35-3. to three. I was feeling really good about my minus 28 bet I made on the game. And then Missouri just kind of – I mean, they came back a little bit. And I know the Alabama had all their backups in. But that was a little frustrating to me, seeing them kind of come back like that. It showed some heart. But usually the Alabama backups – are so good too that you don't have to worry about that. So I don't know if that's a concern with the depth maybe that Alabama has talent wise, or was it just Missouri hitting some great uh, plays there at the end? I think it's a mixture of both. I think that um, I, I think the best days of Nick Saban, Alabama are behind them. I really do. I think that's in the rear view. I do think Alabama, like I, I picked them to win the West. I, I picked us to win the SEC. Uh, but we know how that goes. Yes. Um, but, uh, I, I, but yeah, you nailed it on the head, man. I don't think Alabama has the depth that they've had in years past because, I mean, those guys have always just been next man up. You know, they basically have uh, a, two national championship teams with their first string and their second string. Yeah. But not so this year, man. So that's I, I'm happy to play them kind of later in the year. You know, maybe we, we sneak up on them. Yeah, I'm looking forward – to that, and then Missouri again. We'll see what happens with, of course, their new head coach and everything going on there. Uh, of course, we'll pick the game here at the end. But it, it was just interesting to see that they did kind of keep fighting. Um, and then, of course, you've got—I mean, they had 253 yards passing and only 69 yards of rushing. Of course, there's a—that was from you. Add, you add in the sacks. I think there was. Alabama had a good number of sacks in that game. So, again, Tennessee should beat Missouri. That's why we're favored by 11 points, at least the last I checked. I'll double-check it when we make our picks. So, we'll see where all this ends up. But, again, Missouri's breaking in a new coach, doing some things. It's here in Neyland Stadium, and, yes, they're not going to have – they're not going to be running through the tee. There's only going to be 25,000 people there. But it's still Neyland Stadium. You're still at home. You're still wearing the orange you should be able to power through and beat a Missouri team like this. Yeah. No, I think, dude, it's an energy, man. I, and that's – I'm not going to get it. There's something special about Neyland Stadium. Uh, you could have no fans. You could have everybody's mom and daddy there. It don't matter. I think there's something special about that stadium right there by the river. Oh, um, yeah. So, I think playing them at home, we should not have any issue. But I won't get into my picks or nothing quite yet. Yeah. Well, let's run down – first, let's run down the SEC as they had their first back in action, which was great, man. It just – again, it felt more like the season really kicked off once the SEC got going, which we talked about. But you would think 
that a Florida quarterback throwing for six touchdowns in a game, which I think ties a record, I don't think it ever happened with a Florida quarterback with Kyle Trask beating up on the lane train 51-35 would be the lead. But no, it was the fact that apparently, at least for the first week of the season, the air raid offense works in the SEC as K.J. Costello throws for 623 yards. That is an all-time SEC record. (laughs) Not Peyton Manning, not Tyler Bray, not Danny Warfel, not Tua, not any of the other great SEC quarterbacks that we've had has the record for the most yards in a game. It's K.J. Costello there with Mike Leach in his first game as an SEC head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the crazy thing is I think Tennessee or uh, I think Peyton's threw for 523. I think that was his most. And it was against like, Kentucky or, or, you know what I mean? It was not. Yeah. Or was and, that it was that Florida game maybe in, in uh, 96 where we were number two and they were number four or something like that, too, where we had to come from behind. Right. Yeah. And, and Tyler Braves, I'm pretty sure, was against like a Vanderbilt team that wasn't any count. I think that was that Houston game that we just scored a god, just so many points. That was the only game we won down the stretch there because our defense was just so terrible. Right. But, yeah, Mississippi State did this against the defending national champions. And, and you know, against Ed Orgeron, who is, in my opinion, a very defensive-minded coach. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's dangerous, man. I, I think – I mean, they didn't run away with the game by any means. I mean, they only won by 10. Um, but I think Mississippi State is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I definitely think they're going to be in a, a boat similar to us. I think – I don't think like a, a Missouri or a, a South Carolina or a, a, an A&M or any of these kind of lower-tier uh, uh, SEC teams are going to keep up with them. Yeah, and that's, that's what's going to be interesting – going forward because I know this win obviously especially everybody out in the SEC West their antennas just picked up when they saw what happened especially because not only did they throw for 623 yards they only ran for nine (laughs) and that was most likely a quarterback run if if I had to guess yeah it, it was amazing to see what happened there so it picked up everything yeah and Hill isn't a bad running back he he was I think the SEC leading rusher going into the Tennessee Mississippi State game last year, if I remember correctly, he had th- yeah he had 34 yards. Uh, so a lot of that was the fact that KJ Costello got sacked a few times for minus 38 yards. So that was a lot of it. But Hill out of the backfield also had 158 receiving yards. So it's that air raid offense. And again, what I think could be interesting is because where Mike Leach has been. In Texas Tech and in Washington State, you're not going to get the defensive talent that goes to those games. You can get the offense to go there, especially with Mike Leach. But if you can get a defensive coordinator and some of this good SEC talent to stay home in Mississippi and go to Mississippi State and play enough defense to keep you in it, you can do some things in this league. Oh, for sure. I mean, imagine being, you know, I I think that, like you take a, a state like Texas that is so, you know, just produces quarterbacks constantly. And, and so many of those, like, big Texas schools, big Florida schools, big California schools, they run the air raid already. Yeah. Or they run, you know, a version – definitely the – they're used to throwing the ball 30, 40 times in a game in high school. 
it's very attractive. I mean, to be a Mississippi State school and to, to go into a kid's home and say, hey, just come on. Or even going in, you go into a top linebacker's house and you say, man, we're going to score the points. We just need you to keep them off our back and we can win the SEC West. Um, I, I, it's definitely a culture change um, in the SEC as a whole, but definitely there at Mississippi State. I mean, I was all for Mike Leach coming here when we were going through that coaching search, and it felt like you could have gotten there until we got our athletic our athletic director got fired. So that that I mean, that was a whole mess in of itself that I don't want to flash back to anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, Mike Leach would have been fun here. I do agree, but I, I I'm very 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 happy with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, you know, I, I I would love to have Lane Kiffin, but they they got the hell beat out of them. So. Yeah, but again, they still were able to get in that game with Florida. A couple of the things you get, yeah, Trask throwing for six touchdowns shows that Florida has some offense, but I don't know how good their defense is really going to be. I mean, Ole Miss still had 613 yards of offense in that game. Florida had 642 and more points, but Ole Miss still put up 613 yards of offense, so... We'll see where that balances out. But those are some really interesting first impressions. Yeah, I definitely think um, – I think they just ended up in a shootout where Florida was scoring so early and so often that it's only – you know, Mississippi uh, – Ole Miss has got them an offense, and, and you're going to under Kiffin. Um, but it just, it's not like a Mississippi State team that has a defense to back it up. You know what right. I mean? Right. Mississippi State doesn't – or Ole Miss does not have the offensive power to, to just – to win that type of shootout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Land Sharks, it's a long way away from what the Land Sharks were a few seasons ago. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think got- the, the big game, the biggest game that stood out to me in the SEC this week was Arkansas beat Georgia in a half of football. They did. They did. Georgia's having all those problems at quarterback. Now, it looks like they're going to get their guy back for uh, the the game that they've got coming up, and we'll talk about that against uh, Auburn coming up this week. But, yeah, they were having all types of problems that finally got their stuff together in the second half. But they were down, what, 10 to 5 or something like that? Some weird – Yeah, so it, it was definitely 7 to 5 whenever I got in the car to head to watch our game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's – it's very telling. And, and the thing with that half of football is that Rakeem Boyd at Arkansas was hurt for the majority of the half. Yep. And he comes back in the second half and then – Felipe Franks just kind of gets it stagnates, which I get it when you have arguably the worst offensive line in the SEC. Um, but man, I if Georgia doesn't figure it out at quarterback, I, I think we can get them here in a couple weeks. Yeah, and then, I mean, the only thing standing between us and the East is Florida. Yep, and that would be at the end of the season. Whew, boy, that would be amazing. You look again, yeah, Georgia's, we'll see, again, they're playing Auburn, who had a tough game, especially early going, against Kentucky. And I still think Kentucky's going to be a very solid team. I, obviously, if you had the Pac-10, or I'm sorry, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten schools back in the rankings, I don't think Kentucky would be ranked as they were at the beginning of this game. But I do think Kentucky got hosed on that call there down there at the goal line. You look at every angle of that, and the guy's in the end zone. I don't know how you screw that up, but it's officiating, so I'm not did, too did they, So I didn't get to catch that game. I know exactly what play you're talking about. Did that get challenged? Or did no. they – No. See, that's 
they I mean, reviewed it because it was a scoring play. Okay, so they did call it a touchdown and they reversed it. That's wild. Yeah. That, to me, was just one of the weirdest things I've seen. And then, a couple of plays later, they throw that pick six that, yes, they call the guy for targeting, which was also stupid, but that's about as blatant a makeup call as I've ever seen. So, right. But Auburn a- leaned on him. Bo Nix is by far the better quarterback in that game, and they go out and get the win 29-13. to But we'll see again as they play Georgia. The other SEC games we talked about, uh, Alabama with Missouri, how they just were in control and then just took the took the uh, foot off the gas there. But then you had Texas A&M, who's playing at Alabama uh, this week. We'll talk about that. But they had a really tough time against Vanderbilt. Who, and it's a Vanderbilt team that people really weren't expecting to be that big of a threat this year. But A&M, I don't know how much they were just looking ahead to Alabama as well as, of course, the first game of the season, but they did not look great coming out of there. Jimbo Fisher has got some issues. Yeah, I said I, I told you I don't think Vanderbilt will win a game this year. And then yep. you know, only loses by five to the 13th-ranked team in the country. I mean, that's it's definitely telling. Uh, we don't always get it right. I mean, they, they still lost. They still might go 0-10, yep. but they're going to play people closer than we think. Yep. Again, you always just have that thing with Vanderbilt. Some years they're a tough out. Some years you just walk all over them. This could be a tough out year where they're still going to go 0-10, but at least they're going to at least make you have to break a sweat to beat them. Exactly. And, I mean, if you're Vanderbilt, what more can you ask for? Exactly. <laughs> Looking into just real quick some of the other impressions I got out of this week of football. I mean, what the heck happened with Oklahoma? They were up 21 points on Kansas State, and you're a top-five team. I think this is the first time in the last 500 and so games where you're up by 21 at home against an unranked team, and you're in the top five, and you lose. I mean, Kansas State showed no quit at all and came back and won that game 38-35. That was an amazing upset. Yeah, I mean, like I said last week, uh, I definitely picked Kansas State. I definitely said Oklahoma would would win the game, but I think it was like a twenty seven point spread or something crazy like that. Yeah, um, and I said Kansas State would stay within it. I I should have doubled down and, and said that yep. they were going to, uh, you know, do the whole thing. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. It's not as I don't know if you got to watch much of the Texas Texas Tech game. That game was wild too. I picked the over on that one, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. Well, I got the over on Kansas State-Oklahoma, which was really nice. But my goodness, yeah, you, the over-under on Texas-Texas Tech, that was done very quickly. My goodness. And by the way, the Texas Tech quarterback, uh, don't do the horns down until the game is over. Uh, that was a great comeback win for Texas. Yeah. Um, and Tex, again, Texas isn't back. They're just no. – but, I mean, they, what were they up when he did the horns down? They were up two touchdowns, weren't they? They were up, yeah, they were up like 15 points or something. But, I mean, again, it's the same thing I've always said where these guys just drop the ball right before they cross the goal line. Just, would you just get into the damn end zone before you do anything with the ball, please? <laughs> exactly. Just finish. I mean, it's been over 10 years, I think, since Deshaun Jackson did that, that uh, as an eagle against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. And people are still doing. It. You would think that would have to happen once, and no one would ever do it again. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I may date myself here, but I remember watching Deshaun Jackson in the Army All American game in high school, and he did the same thing. Yeah, so he yeah. did it twice in his in his life. So I mean, yeah. 
These kids may never learn, Shibley. These kids. These kids. <laughs> oh, it makes me feel old. Meanwhile, I'm wearing a. Uh, I, I put the picture on Instagram and on my Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley, uh, with the South Park uh, premiere. I guess they're doing a pandemic special, uh, an hour long thing. I'm wearing my old "Oh my God, they killed Kenny" T-shirt that I bought in high school. Back, uh, I mean, yeah, I bought this like late 97 early 98 when i was 14 so that's how old i am at this point that's a good year though it was a very yeah. good year. <laughs> yeah this shirt's older than some of the people who are probably listening to this and looking at my social media profile there it's a few years older than freshmen on ut's team this year that's true that's very true which is horrifying to think of um, it's been, uh, somebody told me the other day that it's been 10 years since I was a freshman in high school and I almost threw up. Yeah. My 20 year reunions next year for high school. So there's that. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Father time is undefeated, baby. Um, but yeah, I mean, with Texas losing like that, or I'm sorry, almost losing, you almost said the big 12, you know, only technically a month into the season be almost out of the playoffs unless Oklahoma State or Baylor go undefeated. So that was almost a nightmare scenario. I still think Oklahoma, if Oklahoma runs the table, including beating Texas in the Cotton Bowl in a few weeks, they still have an outside chance at the playoffs, but we'll have to see. Or if Texas can run the table, they're in. But my goodness, it does not look good for the Big 12's playoff hopes right now. Yeah, yes, I was going to say, Oklahoma's got to run through so I mean, the Big 12 is no pushover this year. Yeah. So, they, they you know, you got to go through, uh, you know, Oklahoma State. They got to go through Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, they, I definitely see what you're saying. But, yeah, if Texas, yeah. Texas wins out, then they're in. Yeah, that's true. And then I will still say Texas isn't back. I'd screw them. Yeah, at that point, no. They'll get blasted by whoever the SEC champion is. I guarantee you that. Yeah, they'll get blasted by the real UT. Yeah, exactly. Also, yes. Um, But you look at Oklahoma State. We talked about them briefly. You know, they didn't do great on offense against Tulsa. They weren't spectacular against West Virginia, but they held West Virginia to 13 points, and they did a good job of holding Tulsa. There might be a defense in in the Big 12 this year, which would be a miracle. At least in Mulletville, buddy. Down there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it's all the controversy with, with that guy coming out this year. I mean, it's it's good to see, you know, them come out and get a good win um, for a guy that claims he, he made a mistake and didn't understand. So, I hope, you know, yeah. it, it's good to see that team go through the controversy and then have a, a breakdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Couple other great wins. Louisiana apparently living right, hitting a 53 yard field goal at the gun to beat Georgia Southern and stay ranked, which was good for them. That was an amazing finish. Georgia Southern getting a touchdown late, but then Louisiana ripping their hearts out with that 53 yard field goal to win it. I love it, man. It's 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 games like that that I just you sit and you watch, you don't have a dog in the fight, but it just makes you happy because you yep. know it's back. It's yep. fun. It's September. It's almost October. Football's back. A couple of other games real quick that just that piqued my interest again. What the heck has happened to Florida State? Miami hung half a hundred on them, beat them 52-10. to 10. That was some easy money, I bet, on Miami. My goodness. And then you look at Virginia Tech. That's my hats off for the week because they had like 20 players or something out 
for the game because of different COVID issues. And I think they had four coaches out as well. So you had all them. And then they come out and just blitz NC State. I think they score the first three touchdowns of the game and then end up winning 45-24. to 24. Yeah, definitely, definitely a great game. Um, Virginia Tech, I mean, they're tough out there, man. I, I mean, I, I really like that program a lot. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, but all right, let's uh, let's make some picks here for this week coming up. Uh, so we'll get all the college football stuff out, and then we'll touch on all the professional things, and including professional wrestling at the end of the show. But it's just a little warning for all the fine people out there who tuned in for all the college football but let's uh, kind of go through some of these games that came up. Uh, I still got to get my picks in for the uh, Pick'em game we've got on Facebook. But you've got some interesting – you've got a few ranked matchups, which are fun. But one I'm really interested in, too, is that's one of these prove-it-that-it-wasn't-a-fluke kind of games was Florida, now at number three, and they're playing South Carolina. Florida's favored by 17 and a half. Are they going to be able to keep this going? And is South Carolina just going to – have they been – just had their hearts ripped out already this season? Yeah. I, man, I'll be honest with you. I, I hate to say it because, I, I mean, I, I hate that school down south, buddy. I so of much, course. I, I hate Florida. But they uh, – I think – I mean, you got to take Florida in, in the points there, man. You got to – I think they'll beat them by four touchdowns. Yeah, and the over-under is 57.5. So they're not thinking – I might um, ugh, I might almost take the over on that because I think South Carolina can still score some points on that Florida defense. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opposite. I take Florida and take the under. I just don't think I, I think Kyle Trask those for four touchdowns, but I mean I, I think South Carolina they're, they're not gonna shut them out, but I don't think they're gonna score. Yeah, uh, that often. That's true. Your SEC game of the week is. Uh, well, it's the 3.30 game on CBS. It's Texas A&M going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Alabama is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, I do I, – I just wonder how much of that Texas A&M was them looking ahead to Alabama, playing Vanderbilt, maybe just not having a lot of reps in practice. And then again, Alabama, what concerns me is how deep are they – I'm almost thinking of taking Texas. I'm going to pick Alabama, obviously, to win the game. I just you got Nick Saban. I think he's going to just still outcoach Jimbo Fisher because Nick Saban doesn't lose to his assistants. <laughs> and you, but I still think it could be it could be you know a ten point game. But I'm still going to go with Alabama winning this one. Uh, I got two questions, Shibley. Is yep. is Manziel still uh, at A and M? No. Is Nick Saban still the head coach at Alabama? Yes. Yeah, Alabama's going to win by three touchdowns. Okay. All right. Speaking of Manziel, I just saw today, it's been eight years since he did that. That's how long ago that's been. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, man. I remember watching that in high school, and, and I, I to this day, I'm still a Manziel guy. I'm still a Manziel fan. Unfortunately, I'm a Browns fan. Um, but, yeah, I – God, we're getting old, buddy. We're just, yeah, we are. It's, it's fun. Enjoy the ride while we're doing it. Um, this will be an interesting game. This has a lot of uh, power or a group of five conference New Year's Six implications, or it could. SMU, who's 3-0, and coming off some good performances, 
playing a Memphis team that's 1-0 but has had some issues getting on the field with different COVID issues and everything. They've only played one game so far. That game, Memphis is only a two-and-a-half point favorite, but it wouldn't surprise me if if SMU pulls off the upset. Yeah, we're going to do this early this week, Shibley. Uh, If you're listening, I want you to go to the bank. (laughs) I want you to sell your car. I want you to to ask your, your auntie for money. I want you to accumulate as much money as you can, bet it on CMU, double down because they're going to win. SMU, what did I say? It doesn't matter. CMU. Uh, CMU. (laughs) SMU. SMU is going to win that game by two touchdowns. Double down. Win your money. I'll take it. Skip Holtz doing some good things there at S. Is he? No, he's not the head coach at S. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Okay. I don't even know who's playing, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, now you do have that top 10 matchup. You've got the, as they call it, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. You've got Auburn and Georgia. You've got Georgia as a, as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, Georgia, if they can get their quarterback stuff taken, that's fine. But I just don't know. But Auburn just never, to me, feels like, they're in it. I just never know what to do with Gus Malzahn and those teams. Some years they're just great and they'll beat Alabama. And then some years Tennessee will beat them like they did in, in Pruitt's first year, but they do have JT Daniels there to play this week for Georgia. So I've still got Georgia winning the game, but it's going to be a dogfight Like it always seems to be with Auburn and Georgia. Yeah. I don't feel super comfortable with this pick at all, um, but I'm going to make it anyway. Uh, I think Bo Nix is the quarterback of the future. I think he'll be the best quarterback in the SEC next year. I think Auburn will win that game. Okay. All right. Yeah, the spread, again, 6.5 over under 44.5. They're not expecting a lot of points in that one. So. Yep. Then you've got – I'm interested to see a couple of these other games. Again, I'm, I'm picking easy here. Like Oklahoma just minus 7 against Iowa State – Again, yeah. I, I still – I just don't know what happened to Iowa State losing that Louisiana game. It's in Ames, so it's in Iowa, and OU is a seven-point favorite. I might just pick Iowa State to win that game outright. Ooh, I think Oklahoma is still Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is going to definitely cover that. I think they win by two touchdowns. All right. Then you've got like LSU, Vanderbilt. Um, again, we'll see what type of team. Let's see how LSU responds to getting just kicked in the teeth uh, with that air raid offense. And then Vanderbilt, are they going to be that tough out, or was that just a fluke down there in College Station? Yeah, dude. I, I, LSU could has all the potential in the world to lose like another close game um, if they were playing another tough team. But man, they're they're gonna walk all over. It's I don't know what the spread is. It's it could, 20, 20. It could be a hundred. Take LSU. <laughs> and then you've got number one Clemson back in action, uh, finally playing a conference opponent here. Well, they played Wake Forest to open the year. That is debatable if they're a conference opponent or not. But they're playing Virginia, who last year went to the Orange Bowl and got beat by Florida. But they're still good. But Clemson's a twenty-eight point favor. That just seems too big for me. I, man, we're just not – we're just disagreeing all over the place. I think Trevor Lawrence – Trevor Lawrence is probably your your Heisman candidate. I think just above uh, 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 Trask. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think 
and I, I think twenty eight points. I may, I may. That's the game I'm gonna stay away from, just because twenty eight points is a lot of points. But I don't think. I mean, Clemson can beat them by forty, and it, I wouldn't bat an eye. That's true. That is true. It's one of those that just makes me kind of perk my ears up because it's like I don't think Virginia lost that much, and I mean they took care of Duke, thirty eight to twenty last week. So, I mean, and Duke gave Notre Dame at least a battle to open the season. So we'll see. But the game here that, of course, we are all here to make our picks, and that is Missouri uh, host or going here to Neyland Stadium on the banks of the Tennessee River. Just a stone's throw from White's Fort and the Sun Sphere and everything else here in downtown Knoxville. Tennessee is an 11.5-point favorite. We'll see how everybody feels. The ESPN matchup predictor has Tennessee as a 65% chance of winning that game. I personally think that Garantano is going to dial it in a little bit more. I think we're going to feel better running at home. I think having Cade Mays there is going to be big. I think Tennessee is going to run the ball better. So I've got them winning this game. I'm feeling, again, like a 31 to... 31 to 17 win I feel pretty confident in uh yeah I I think you know that on the head man playing at home um getting Cade Mays back uh if Garantano again Garantano had some drops last week so it wasn't all his fault but man did he have some underthrows and overthrows you know so if, if he can dial it in if he can dial it in uh, I think we win. I think it's 35 10. Uh, if Garantano has a bad game, I think it's 28 14. Yeah. No. I think, again, I think being able to run the ball is going to be key in that one. And as long as Tennessee just doesn't make any turnovers, I'm all for it. I mean, Gerald Nealon's first game, Maxim, the team that makes the fewest mistakes will win. Just yeah, run. What was uh, Sandra Bullock? That's her name. Like Sandra Bullock says on the blind side, just run the dang ball. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's our college uh, picks here. But you want to dive into some uh, professional sports here and talk real yeah. quick about that with me, Trey? Let's do it real quick. All right, the NFL. My goodness, they had what a game that was. That was just fun to watch. Just quarterbacks of the future on Monday night. With the Chiefs and the Ravens, the Chiefs getting the win, thirty-four to twenty. Mahomes again. The Chiefs are, are just uh, Lamar Jackson's kryptonite, but Patrick Mahomes is just looking like a world beater. People though are already floating the idea of the Chiefs going undefeated. It's like slow your roll a little bit. I mean, they struggled against the Chiefs the week before. So hold on, we got a lot more games to play here. No, you yeah, know your role and shut your mouth. You know, like you know the the chief the Chiefs are not going to go undefeated by any means. Um, I do think, I mean, they're they're my favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they're. I mean, I picked the Ravens just to be different, but I just after seeing this, we'll see what has to happen in the AFC Championship game. The Ravens are going to have to put together a great rest of their season to probably get home field advantage away from the Chiefs, even though. This game was in Baltimore, so that's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, home field advantage doesn't mean nearly as much right now, you know. Yeah, because not now. Like, I mean, that seems contradictory to what I said earlier about Neyland, but mm-hmm. I think Neyland's that special of a place, you know. Yeah. What I'm oh yeah. Baltimore, a home game at Baltimore is hard to deal with, but it, I don't think it's playing that much of a deal right now. Agreed. 
You have a couple of other, you know, big things. The Titans, again, moving to 3-0 and with a great win against the Vikings, moving the Vikings to 0-3, which shocked me. I had the Vikings winning that division, which I might be way off because Aaron Rodgers looks pretty good as Packers QB. But the Titans, their game against the Steelers has been postponed. They haven't officially said it's off all week. They're saying they might play it Monday or Tuesday. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, Tuesday night game would be fun. That would be really interesting. That would throw everybody's fantasy stuff into just insanity. But uh, also looks like Tom Brady has righted the ship, uh, I guess pun intended, with the Buccaneers there as they took care of the Broncos. So we're feeling good. But then, man, Russell Wilson, I still just don't think he gets the love that he should have as a quarterback, even though he's already won one Super Bowl. But I don't think he's ever gotten one vote in the MVP voting, like for any year. And he's leading the Seahawks. They beat the Cowboys this week. So, I mean, hats off to them. And that's after DK Metcalf just dropped the ball because he wasn't paying attention to who was around him. Should have had a touchdown. And then the guy comes right behind him and just bops the ball out because he thought there was no one around him. Yeah, exactly, man. I think uh, you're absolutely right. I think Russell Wilson is probably the most underrated quarterback in the league by a long shot, in my opinion. Um, But, yeah, I I didn't get to watch that game in particular, but I did see the Metcalf play. Just They have jumbotrons for a reason, man. Watch your stuff running the end zone, and you might see that guy sneaking up on you. Yeah, Um, that that frustrates me all the time. Um, You have a couple of other just – Weird things in here happening. Of course, you had the Bengals and Eagles tying because Eagles head coach decided to punt with time running out in overtime. It almost looked like he was trying to preserve the tie. I guess from what his reasoning was, realizes in the division that he's in, a tie is better than a chance at losing at that point. I guess was why he did that. Yeah, I get that, man. But a tie in football, this never sits right with no. The and only time I can see ties is in European soccer. Yeah, and nobody cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. And then, of course, the Packers. Aaron Rodgers looking great. It would have been nice maybe if they would gotten him another wide receiver instead of picking his potential replacement at quarterback for the draft. But now the Saints are only one and two, and I picked them to go to the Super Bowl too. So I am not looking good on my Super Bowl picks right now. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I still the Saints are, are not showing it on the the record books right now. I think they're the best team in football. I really, really, really think that. Um, I think Alvin Kamara is arguably the best back in the league. He's in my top three for sure. Um, the, the Saints are my pick for the Super Bowl as well. Nice. Man, and then let's move real quick just to baseball, just running down. It's, it's not even talking about the scores right now. It's just great to have October baseball. I love, even though it's in September, tomorrow's October as of this recording, but man, it's just great to have October baseball and playoff baseball, even though it's a little different with a best out of three, a best out of five, and then the best out of seven for the uh, championship series and the World Series. Yeah, I mean, it. like I said the other day, man, with the weather changing and SEC football coming back, it feels like fall. You know, baseball yep. is, is wrapping up. It's the this, – it makes the cut, but it's just about the worst sport that anybody cares about. Uh, but 
it, it is very exciting to have uh, to have baseball in, in October. It, like, again, we're getting back to some sort of normalcy. Yeah, which always and forever will make me happy. Uh, again, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning and lifting Lord Stanley's Cup. But then you've got, again, I think it's really interesting, the NBA Finals tipping off as we're recording this. You've got the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis taking on a Heat team that has surprised a lot of people in the bubble. I mean, Bam Adebayo has come out of nowhere and just been a really just strong guy there, pairing him with Jimmy Butler. I still have the Lakers winning the series. I've got them in six games, mostly because, again, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are by far the two best players left, and they play on the same team. But I think the Heat can give them some trouble. They might win game one and then win one more game, but I still got the Lakers in six. Yeah, you you literally took it out of my mouth, man. I think the Heat are going to surprise them and take game one. As much as I hate Tyler Hero, I hate him in Kentucky, and I'm not a fan of him now. No. Uh, but um, I think that they can come out and surprise them game one, and then I think uh, the Lakers are going to win four in a row. I take the Lakers in five. All right. Let's well, wrapping up a lot of uh, good professional sports coming in. Before we get to the squared circle, though, did you hear about this Joe Montana story? Uh, I, I saw the headline but did not read the article. It's just amazing. Oh how in more reports have come out here that a 39 year old woman was charged Tuesday in uh, an attempted kidnapping of the nine month old granddaughter of Joe Montana uh, from his Southern California home. And again, Joe Montana, one of just my all time favorite players growing up as a kid in California and seeing him win a couple of those Super Bowls, uh, 23 and 24, like some of my first sports memories, them winning those. So it was it, it was at Montana's home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they broke in just looking to kidnap this kid. Yeah, this thirty nine year old woman, um, the 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 baby was asleep, and in a playpen at Montana's house in Malibu, when a woman he did not know entered and picked up the child, and then Montana and his wife Jennifer confronted her tried to de-escalate the situation, asked her to give back the baby. After a brief struggle, Jennifer Montana pried the girl away, and this woman fled from the home, and authorities have picked her up. Uh, just, again, just an insane situation. Was it, I mean, do they think it was some sort of ransom situation, or she just happened to walk in Joe Montana's house? They just, like, they they don't know at this point. Uh, attorney says there's no hindsight, no clue as yet why she did what she did, is what the attorneys are saying. So it just, I don't know if there were drugs involved or just a loony person. It's, it's beyond me at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's, my first thought was this was organized to, you know, to do some sort of ransom because we're in uh, 2020s, a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's, I'm glad that there were no, no one was hurt in the, in that scene. Yeah. Thank, thank goodness. Uh, Uh, Well, maybe not no one. I think if that happened outside of California, uh, there wouldn't be, uh, you know, there, there would be no one left to interview, if you know what I'm yeah. saying. Some, some castle doctrine and some stand your ground stuff. Absolutely. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know all about that. Real quick, let's just get into the squared circle. The big news coming out of the weekend at Night of Champions was Roman Reigns pretty much is officially gone full heel now. Uh, Fine. Fine. I know. 
I've been wanting him to do it for years, but now coming out and just beating up his cousin Jay Uso and making his injured uh, brother, his the other Uso Jimmy, throw the towel in, and it looks like it's almost a battle. As they keep saying, "I'm the chief now," as being the chief of that whole Samoan clan where all the great wrestlers have come from. It was great story and something I was just not expecting going into Night of Champions. Yeah, definitely a great story. I love the way that they executed it through Paul Heyman. Um, you know, I think that's the best mouthpiece of all time uh, when it comes to wrestling culture. Um, and I think Roman needs that. Rena, yep. Roman is not – he's 15 years in and still not cutting a good promo. You know what I mean? He's not. So I love what they're doing. I love the fact that Roman finally dropped the the flak jacket. I've been wanting him to drop that for years now, too. So that's really good. I'm interested to see. Someone made a great scenario where Roman then kind of runs. They're thinking he, at some point, beats up Jimmy, too, and then runs roughshod and, like, beats up the Usos' dad, Rikishi, WWE Hall of Famer Rikishi, and it almost sets up the rock coming back if his lawyers and everybody lets him have a match at WrestleMania for the, you know, title of chief of the Samoan clan, I think would be really good. And I think there'll be some actual good money in that at WrestleMania. Yeah, I definitely think that that's, uh, yeah. I mean, the rock Roman, I think it's been destined to happen for a while. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I definitely think it, it's taking them too long to kind of play on the fact that this one clan has produced so much talent. It, it's taking way too long to do that. Um, but yeah, I do think uh, I, I definitely like what they're doing with Roman now more than I ever have. Oh, yep. It makes me happy, and again, it makes me, again, when pro wrestling is done great, it is fantastic, which is why I love watching AEW. I'm going to go watch Dynamite right after we're done here, and of course, I've got New Japan, uh, Pro. I've got NJPW Worlds, I've been watching the G1, which is just wrestling perfection. That round-robin tournament is just always amazing, the stories they tell in it. Oh, yeah. But that's going to wrap up this episode of the Man in the Arena podcast. Uh, Trey, tell every all the fine people where they can find you. Oh, they can find me and you both on the Sagas and Shenanigan podcast. That's where we're over there uh, getting the yucks and fantasy world. Um, I love being over there with you guys. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trey Pack, T-R-E-P-A-C-K. I'm on Instagram uh, at Trey Pack one and friend me on Facebook, and you can find out uh, when I'm uh, going to be on stage telling the yucks. Absolutely. And i got to get back out there once we get uh, – once the pandemic ends and subsides and we finally have good live entertainment back again. i got to get back on stage with a microphone. That'll make me happy. And, again, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. And, again, look for the Man in the Arena podcast wherever you get your fine podcast. It's there. Uh, it's also search it on the socials. You can find our page, give the page a like, uh, and again, like subscribe, share those five star reviews. You give them to me. I will love you forever to help us get out and take over, uh, the podcasting world. But Dre, what do you think about next week? You think, uh, we need to reach out to chase Dyer and, uh, see if he'll come on the show and talk about Georgia. Yeah. Do you think I don't like, dude, if I, I'm not going to promote that podcast we used to do because I don't believe in it, but Right. Uh, Chase Dyer, good friend of ours, has only given me crap 
about Cade Mays playing for Georgia since the kid stepped on campus. So <laughs> I'm happy that he came home prodigal son style. He's where he belongs. Yeah, we'll, we'll have Chase on to talk about it. Oh, yeah. We'll have to see if we can set that up next week. But until then, man, too sweet. Love everybody. See you next time.